Hi everyone. My name is Pankaj Mishra and I'll be your host for the SaaS Bhumi podcast. Over the next episodes, I'll be bringing deep conversations with SaaS founders, product builders, technologists, designers, investors and people who are shaping India's SaaS ecosystem. So stay tuned and keep listening. Welcome to this conversation. I'm really thrilled uh, to be having this conversation with uh, Tanmay Gopal of uh, Hasula. Uh, Tanmay, welcome to this conversation. Thanks a lot. Hey, hey, Pankaj. Uh, uh, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. Tanmay, it's only recently that I have start. I, I have uh, started hearing about Hasula, and uh, while I definitely want you to uh, help us understand uh, the product and and why why do you exist and and to do what. Uh, would like to start from the start actually can you give, take us through uh, the early journey and how did this come about uh, take me through the early building blocks uh, how did this idea happen and then we can jump into other specific questions sure sounds good um so yeah i'd i'd, I'd uh, finished my um, bachelor's and masters in in, in computer science um and i had specialized in you know machine learning and computer vision and i had uh, uh, and i transitioned my project over to to drdo and to to i was working with a few research labs i i didn't sit for um, i didn't i didn't you know i didn't i didn't sit for placements i wanted to i wanted to kind of go out and find out you know what kind of problems there are and what kind of problems exist today in the industry um and so i started kind of consulting myself right i started doing like a freelance consulting thing myself uh, you know got connected with a few seniors to uh, executives at larger companies um and kind of was just starting to just scope things out and, and and understand kind of what the gap between this theoretical best of where development and engineering can be versus where it really is in industry and you know why why things are that way right there's 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 uh, often fairly sane reasoning behind why things are the way they are right um, which doesn't mean that it's a justification of why things are the way they are but 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 there is an understanding there that is important and so i started doing that for a bit my my kind of core interest was in that upper half of uh, systems right like programming language theory databases infrastructure distributed systems those are kind of uh, things that that i was that i really gravitated towards mm. for me very personally it was about kind of creating a generation of tooling and abstraction uh mm-hmm. and to discover that generation of tooling and abstraction that would allow developers to kind of be an order of magnitude more productive right and the hope was that this is this is what will be allow allow us to be you know we're between 10 to 30 million developers today that number is going to be between 100 300 million whether we like it or not right we're going to be learning programming in school uh just like the way we learned long division arithmetic in school right it's going to happen it's not a, it's not choice almost that we have right it's like you don't want to learn algebra or whatever but you learn it right it's like that and 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 uh, we're going to go through the school phase into that kind of sucky phase of that's how programming is going to be um when that happens and for that to happen right uh, a whole set of tools are going to be demanded by developers to uh, to make lives easier to help them build things uh, that allow them to think like humans more and you know, less like less at the level of a machine right like today we write yeah. code because somebody's done the hard work of building compilers we don't we don't access file systems directly we use databases and sql right so there's yeah. all of those kinds of things that exist that have made this possible and so um i spent you know the next 
four years working with uh, juniors and batchmates and seniors from university. My, my co-founder just finished uh, uh, working, uh, doing research work in computational biology, and then um, we started working together. We set up this consulting firm. Um, and um, she also came from this fairly data-heavy background and was having a similar kind of frustration with resource that I'd had uh, of, of things not being fast enough. Her work from 10 years ago got published in Nature last year, so she was justified in the amount of time that it takes. Uh, but we kind of banded together and we said, hey, you know what, let's start uh, let's start seeing what these things are. And we had a few hypotheses, right, around things, uh, of the way things would be. But we started doing that kind of consulting thing. So, so for about four years, we kind of grew that consulting team from, from you know, zero to 60 people. Uh, and we did, mm-hmm. we, we worked on all kinds of projects, right? We worked with, you know, the largest banks in the world on multi-million dollar kind of contracts. We worked on tiny, with like tiny two-member startup teams. We worked with... Um, industries who are building their first ever digital product and asset, right? Um, and, and we learned a lot about kind of, you know, where developers are, what they like, what the business pressures are, what uh, what businesses want to pay for, what they don't want to pay for, right? Uh, a lot of a lot of kind of those things we learned. And, and internally, what we would do is we had like a five, six member kind of platform team that was building tools around these hypotheses that we had. And, and the rest of us who were kind of working on the consulting side of things. So... It's kind of about four years into that, right? And you built out a, a generation of really good, really good tools, right? We were one of the first people in the Docker and Kubernetes uh, ecosystem when that had come out, you know. Uh, we were, uh, we built what is called the world's first Kubernetes operator. We were uh, one of the pioneers of the GitOps movement, right? A lot of stuff that we are seeing uh, last year and this year is stuff that, you know, we'd been meddling around uh, within, you know, 15, 2014, 2015. Uh, uh, much before uh, it had caught on everywhere else to, again, kind of like this pursuit of understanding, you know, how things work and where it's going and stuff like that. Um, one of those critical portions that we built during this time was this data access layer, which we talk about in a bit, uh, which is kind of what has rest today. But as we kind of built out this plethora of tooling, right, we, uh, and it became mature, we put it in production with various clients. We were like, we were at the time and we realized, hey, you know what, if we, if we continue if you continue down this path, we'll become the next generation kind of, you know, a next generation kind of advanced consulting firm, which is not a bad thing, right? It's it's good. It's very it's it's a fairly high margin. You get to work with a good set of people. You work on interesting projects, um, or we kind of take a shot at building the product out. And so we shut down the consulting firm. We spent a fair bit of time getting uh, almost all of our folks uh, recruited into the teams that we were working with and the companies that we were working with. And uh, and and then the platform team, the core platform team that was building the tooling, we raised we raised VC, uh, and uh, it was late twenty seventeen, early twenty eighteen, and and we started working on the product. We started packaging that. July twenty eighteen, uh, we open sourced uh, the the data access layer, sort of GraphQL engine, and and yeah, since since then, uh, since then that's kind of been that's kind of been. Uh, you know, we, we launched the enterprise version of the product and the cloud version of the product early this year. So, so that's kind of been the rough, rough journey. Does that, does that, does that make sense? Yes, of course it does make sense now. But I'm just wondering how did you make sense of it back then? You know, so I have the one question I have is uh, when when you made this decision to go from consulting to building a product, I'm sure uh, a lot of companies uh, have faced a, a decision point like this. And how did you arrive at this decision finally? Like, what were some of those signals? And does that make sense for us to 
understand a little about the whole product market fit or the way you went about it uh, can you take me through that yeah i i i think two two kind of independent things for us right one was the journey of shutting down the consulting firm and and moving into being a product company um and the 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 second which is uh the the product market fit aspect of things right so um so 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 both are a little bit independent I'll, I'll take them I'll, I'll touch upon them differently right the first aspect is well, i mean for us it was we were realizing that most of our time and expertise and energy was being spent in um doing consulting work which meant that you know the 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 best uh, the 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 kind of the, the most amount of energy and effort and and working with customers that we would have right people who people who were doing that were spending all of their time kind of helping people with extremely extremely specific domain specific problems um and that was at the cost of working on the product this is not it wasn't very easy for us to realize uh, my my i think my my co-founder put her foot down when when she realized you know when she was like okay is this is this what we want to be doing right this is the reason why we started the consulting firm was to avoid taking bc and to say mm-hmm. you know we'll be masters of our own destiny you know, naive things as you're a young person starting <laughs> your company right you're like yeah 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 we'll bootstrap this to oblivion right whatever uh, so um so so as as we kind of like you know took a step back and introspected about like why we were doing this and and what we really wanted the outcome to be it made it made a fair amount of sense for us to say you know what this is it's going to be a tough step but you know we have to do this um and and so that's kind of how we made that decision it was still it was hard because you know we were uh, we were just starting to become extremely profitable um as as a consulting firm so it was it was not an easy decision for us to make uh but uh, but that's but that's kind of what we had to do when we thought about the amount of time spent on you know a versus b um hmm. so the the product market aspect the the, the pms uh, aspect of this is a little more weird so so as it is an open source kind of infrastructure product right so um in the words of one of our kind of seed investors uh samir right he has a very nice way of describing it which is i think with open source project what ends up happening is that you first have project market fit and after project market fit you have product market fit right so the first uh, mm. the first year of our journey was kind of discovering that project market fit right which is basically when developers kind of like your open source project and start using it for building things um and and there's no kind of monetary angle here there is no price point there's nothing it's just about whether the um whether the project is something that developers will like and find useful and that's the first aspect of this right the second aspect of this is that you know will you be able to monetize this and for us that was uh you know it it, it seemed relatively straightforward to us that if if our data access layer becomes uh popular then it should be fairly easy for us to monetize because we're in the critical path right it's not hard for us to add value at the add business value uh, given where we are sitting in the infrastructure um and uh, and so uh, that that was the hypothesis right so after we had like you know quote and quote project market fit where developers kind of really loved the product they started building all kinds of things with it um then we kind of went through the stage of saying all right cool uh, now we want to start focusing on enterprise um and the enterprise users and have features specific to enterprise um and so then we added a bunch of those things 
Uh, and that that kind of worked out well. And then based on that, uh, we also launched the cloud version of our product that we were originally planning to do a little bit later. Uh, but but we finally launched that just about a month and a half ago. Um, so so um, so I would say that you know we're in the throes of product market fit. 2020, 2021, those are the two years of product market fit, right? From moving from project market fit to product market fit. Does that does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. And and I think especially uh, in the product uh, you know space that you are talking about, it makes even more sense. The developer uh, that you are talking about. Right. Right. Uh, one thing, Tanmay, I want you to understand from you, like, and and this is a good time to ask you that question, is is because it's is when you are building a, a product early with uh, you know some of the early users or early customers or you know how how do you design the product in that stage? Uh, can you can you tell me what worked and what didn't work in that sense? Uh, in terms of looking at you know the, the feedback from there or your own realizations. So how do you bring all of that into designing uh, the product in early stage? That's a yeah, that's a very good question. I think the the key learnings for us um, for building our kind of product, right, which is uh, a, a developer-led infrastructure product, um, that that uh, and and so the question is, you know, how how do you how do you build for something like that? I think there are a few good first principles to to follow here, right? One is to understand that the developer experience for what your product does has to be about an order of magnitude better than than what exists already, mm-hmm. right? So it has to be it has to be much better than what already exists. Otherwise, it's it's not worth it for developers to spend the time learning something new. It has to be two x to ten x easier than whatever they did currently right and so that is kind of that is that is kind of a necessary it's not sufficient but it's a necessary condition to for 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 tooling to kind of catch on like a new tool a, a new trend to kind of a new idea to catch on right and uh, and they see the like large successful developer led infrastructure projects or even even maybe not even infrastructure but just developer tool led uh, will have that first property right that it is extremely easy it is 2x to 10x easier than whatever you had the second aspect is the conversion or the you know the time that it takes to get to an aha moment of you know what is this product so 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 hasra is in that kind of exciting but scary category in that scary class of things which is that it can be category creating right um, a product like hasra has not existed before um, it is it is a weird product it is weird because it's very new in the way and the changes that uh, it does to the way your stack works, right? It makes you hyper-productive, but it, it is a shift in architecture, right? It is, it is and, and, and that means that, uh, you know, uh, when Hasura is everywhere, people will assume that this is the right way to do things. But the journey to doing that is, you know, obviously the most most painful journey in the world, right? It's like, when Mongo was starting and people were like, well, this doesn't make any sense, but, you know, Mongo became popular. Or when virtualization was happening and AWS was happening, I mean, cloud doesn't make any sense, right? So, but it happened, right? So those first few years uh, of, of anything that is potentially category creating is an extremely painful journey. Uh, but it's a very exciting journey because at the end of it, if, 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 if uh, uh, as things happen, the amount of impact is huge. 
So now to kind of make sure that you're able to move through that journey, the most important thing is the conversions have to be as uh, good as possible. For example, when especially with developers, right? Uh, when you think about a product being organically adopted and becoming popular, or you know, quote unquote, viral, right? Which is that uh, people start talking about a product to each other, right? People are like, "Hey, listen, isn't this so cool? Isn't X so cool? We should use X for doing something." Uh, my next project, I'm going to build on X. Just tried out X; it's so exciting, right? Uh, when you when 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 that kind of buzz has to be created, you can't you can't game it. You can game it a little bit. Uh, you can you can you can try gaming it a little bit, right? You can create a lot of hi- hype and buzz and get lots of influencers and to talk about it and whatnot, right? But that none of that lasts, right? It will come and go, but but you know none none of that is going to none of that is going to last, right? Because the cycles, the conversion cycles are very long. It's not like signing on to a product and then using it immediately, right? With a developer tool that is a part of your infrastructure, you have to use it, and then it takes a lot of time. Like it, if the the instant I come across X. And I'm excited about X. It'll be one, two, three, four quarters before I might actually use it in something that is mission critical, right? So, so there is no. It's not like you know, hey, there's a little bit of JavaScript code. Embed that JavaScript code in your website. You have analytics. You have a chat window. You have this. You have that. It's it's not like that, right? The cycles to adoption are really long, right? Um, and so for 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 products in this kind of class of things, right? Uh, what what ends up being very important is that the conversion that you get from people who hear about it to people who try it out to people who are vocal about it, right? At each jump in these three stages, there's like, you know, I don't know, like whatever, 1%, 0.1%, whatever that number is, right? Like if 100 people hear about it, one person, one of those 100 is going to try it out. And if 100 people try it out, one of them is going to be vocal about it, right? We as developers, uh, uh, the number of developers who talk about the technologies and the the, the stack they use or are a part of the community, especially in India, is spectacularly low compared to the number of developers who use a particular technology, right? The number of vocal people are really, really small compared to the number of people who are um, actually using it. Um, and, and to make sure that you maximize the number of vocal people, you really have to make sure that from hearing about it to trying it out, it has to be super fast. Uh, so that... So that that, that 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 aha moment that they get has to be so fast um, that you can maximize the number of people who try it out. So that then, hopefully, out of that, a few people who eventually use the product, right, they are vocal about it. And they say, hey, you know what? This product is the bee's knees and I'm going to tell the world about it because I'm so excited. So, um, so apart from kind of making sure that you're 2x or 10x better than what exists today, the experience of trying it out and getting started, that experience has to be like, has to be just, it has to be beyond smooth, right? There can be no blocker, nothing that comes in the way of of that aha moment and of understanding what this product is, especially a product that is kind of as uh, different or complicated or weird, just not necessarily the right adjectives, but uh, but but especially for a product like Hasura, right? So, so I would say that is kind of those are those are kind of the two uh, two main insights uh, from from. From from having built this kind of product, does that does that or, or or when you think about designing the product, the product experience? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and and I think you've been very candid. That helps. Um, a, a parallel question, Tanmay, is what happens to the product organization itself in these early stages? Like, how do you scale that, and who all do you include in that? Uh, and and what are some of the what you know most honest and lessons? 
in, in doing that, in scaling a product organization, in putting it together, who does what? This whole question about a product manager. Can, can you take me through this chunk? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. Um, for us, all of our early our our team was basically structured into three main chunks: uh, product and engineering, one chunk; community, second; and third is ops. So the three kind of chunks of work: um, product and engineering was uh, so so we're a, we're a, we're a team of four kind of four people that that we refer to as kind of in, in in the founding team, right? So we kind of divided these responsibilities amongst us, right? Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I kind of helped with product and engineering uh, along with uh, another member of my founding team, uh, Vamshi, who had engineering. Uh, my co-founder, Arshi, had community. And Anand from the founding team handled kind of ops, finance, uh, and a bunch of other things, including the enterprise product um, starting this year and then the cloud product uh, a few months ago. But but in that kind of early stage, right, the um, product and engineering was essentially the same organization. Um, all of the engineers... Uh, were extremely close to our end users, right? So all of the kind of quote-unquote tech leads or team leads, right, had direct lines of communication with the team, with the with the with our users, um, because of because it is kind of an open source project with an open source community, right? So uh, we were constantly communicating with our users, with the community that we were building around it on GitHub, on Discord. We were getting on calls with them, kind of understanding how that is, and and uh, you know I kind of manage the product roadmap uh, and help in kind of sequencing things or taking bets on large things that need, need needed to be done from a product point of view and stuff like that, right? So so, so that was it. Now, now, kind of fast forward into a little bit into the future, the, the way it has kind of come together is that we are the, there's an engineering team and there's a product team. The product team is composed of, you know, three or four people composed of early engineers and engineering leads who've kind of crossed over to the product side. Is a very intimate understanding of the product. I mean, the product is for developers, right? The product is for other engineers. Um, so, uh, so we kind of handle product, and uh, and then engineering is very closely related org uh, that uh, that works on things. Who are now a little more insulated from users to kind of help them keep their sanity a little bit. Um, uh, but but again, as kind of let's say bugs happen or there are very particular use cases, then you know they reach out to our users directly and our user community directly, which of course the user community also really likes, right? So um, so that's kind of how the product function has evolved. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not not sure if that's a very helpful answer, but the summary there is that um, product is very closely owned by uh, the founding team and the engineering team, right? Early early on the founding team and then later on the engineering team, right? The, the product, our kind of product is a developer tool and engineering product, right? So, so right now it's extremely closely owned, uh, and and there's no. Uh, we're starting to bring in a product management discipline gradually, right? Uh, the, the kind of discipline, the functional skill of what it takes to do good product management, that is something that we're bringing in gradually. Uh, but in the early days, there was you know, that was not uh, that 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 discipline was less important as much as the raw um, energy and instinct uh, and intuition for helping our users, right? Because again, for the kind of product that Hasura is, right? So um, uh, in, in terms of the kinds of people that we focused on, right? Like deciding whether we care about certain user groups or not, or we don't care about certain user groups, right? We had kind of our internal um, 
uh, heuristics on like, okay, we care about this, we don't care about this, or we are never going to do this, we are only going to do this, right? Uh, within those kind of guardrails that we'd set up, uh, we just spent a tremendous amount of time with our users uh, uh, building things uh, with a combination of kind of tactical work and strategic work, right? To make sure that the product will scale uh, to the kind of enterprise use cases that we wanted to have and to the kind of developer use cases that we wanted to have. So building in those strategic kind of building blocks um, and, and and deciding what to not do. That was really important to say, you know, we would never do these kinds of things ever, mm-hmm. right? So the, Because there's a very natural pull for adding certain kinds of features to the product, which don't make sense strategically because they are very hard to monetize. Um, or or because uh, they are better done outside the product, they're better done as a separate SaaS product or a separate infrastructure product. So having kind of clarity about saying that we are not going to do these things, right? So those guardrails, like once we set up those guardrails, after that is just a tremendous amount of time that we spend with our users and building things and uh, and and a certain amount of and and, and honing that intuition and instinct for mm-hmm. uh, for the user community, right? By spending time with them, it's not like it's not. Uh, you, you, you're not like you, you don't you're not born one day with an intuition for like what developers want right it's it's you just have to spend a tremendous 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 amount of time uh with people to kind of hone that and uh at least i mean that's what we did and then and 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 then, then that really helps us kind of make decisions and decide if things are uh, good or bad and i'm and i'm sure this there will be a more mature answer to this over over the years and stuff like that but uh but that's that's kind of what worked for us Hmm. Yeah, that, that's very well put. Just a quick follow-up on, on that. Like, how do you ensure that you are not blinded by what users want or you don't get consumed uh, in, in, in because when you are spending so much of time with users, which is a good thing, uh, the whole obsession with users, how do you compartmentalize? How do you, what, what are the, what is your, uh, like a checklist to, you know, to, to include or exclude things in that sense? I think I think it kind of comes from uh, there's a kind of tactic, tactical and strategic definition of so so I I always say that like I think the hardest thing about being in a in a in a startup like environment right is understanding how to play off um, operationally how to play off things tactically versus strategically right um, mm-hmm. that is really important. Um, and and knowing how to balance that right if if you can balance that then you can you can gradually make your way out out of the early stages of a uh, out of the early chaotic stages um uh, and and there's a path that you can there's a north star that you can keep realigning towards there's no you kind of at sea you see a north star you have no idea what's there in the middle but somehow you will zigzag and you will get your way to the north star right uh, as long as the north star is clear in your mind right like why why you're building this and that kind of kind of that kind of comes from two things right you're like you're you're starting off with a why of hey why, why are we you know why does this product need to exist and what are the problems that it should solve right and how will the industry evolve around it right so there's this kind of very strategic understanding of like what is the end state of where the product will be what the industry around it will be like right um, and then, and then, kind of charting a path towards that end state, uh, and then tactically, it will be informed by the users. Strategically, it is kind of informed by your vision of where you want to be, right? So you spend a lot of that time with users to to understand the actual path 
to that north star right but that north star kind of comes a lot from uh, the north star also changes and evolves gradually but let's say initially that north star comes a lot from uh, your understanding intuition strategy about the space but then it also comes from a second thing which is i think like the this slightly irrational passion that you have for why you're doing this and this becomes even more important for products like ours where there's no prior right there's no clear prior for this kind of a product it's like hey you know what this kind of this is the category that we're in and in this category we're going to be the most efficient and this is the market segment and and it's going to be 10x cheaper for these people and it's going to be easier to buy and you know it's 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 i wish we could create a map like that for ourselves right um but for our kind of product it's a little bit harder so a lot of it kind of comes from you know a that the, the strategic kind of nature of knowing what not to do and what to do comes from these two things of like this this uh, uh passion for why we are doing this really like like you know why are we as a team why do we want the world to be like this in the future so that we can be honest to ourselves in the implementation that we do uh and to our users in our community and tell them this is why we're making these decisions because another important aspect of this is that you know it's not like we can just say no we won't build this feature we have to talk to our community and tell them why we're not doing something right so there's a this continuous interaction that happens and without that guiding vision or principle right it's very hard to communicate internally and externally um and so we so so we have this clear understanding of like why are we doing this right why are we as people uh doing this and building this kind of product and what is that product going to look like it's a very opinionated view of where the world is going to be in 5 years right and what needs to exist for that and those two things really help us kind of decide and say you know everybody for example wants uh hasra to have built in authentication and and we will do our best and we keep doing our best to make it easy for our users to have and to use authentication with hasra but we will not build authentication right anytime soon uh maybe never but i mean at least any any which is not a part of our roadmap because uh we see that as a separate concern and the way that the industry is evolving it is moving and identity is becoming a separate saas and a separate service that people are now using right and it does not make sense to couple identity with data although there has to be an integration a product offering point of view doesn't make sense right um so uh so 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 that mm-hmm. kind of what helps us in that understanding of you know what to do and what not to do does yeah does that does that make sense <laughs> i'm sorry these answers are a little bit vague Okay, cool, cool. No, no, no. It does, it, and it is not vague because of the example you gave. Uh, it is so true. The whole authentication layer. I mean, uh, absolutely. Agree. You know, final uh, one or two questions, Tanmay. Uh, if if I could put uh, some more spotlight on the early founding team, uh, I have two things to ask. Number one is uh, co-founder uh, engagements or uh, division of work or. Uh, overall uh, relationship and uh, you know management all that is cited uh, you know as as one of the top reasons for why startups work and they don't right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so if you could quickly spend a little time in uh, while it may still be uh, early to ask that question but still how do, how do you do that how do you manage that uh, how do you ensure that uh it is scalable uh, things are in place i mean do you have a co-founder agreement in place at all i mean so, you know so what is it all about yeah um it's, it's a very it's a tough question to answer and again it's extremely <laughs> extremely specific to the way we are um one of one of 
this is something that that Rarushi, my co-founder, says often, right? And when we were just about to start working together, and and uh, he's like, you know, how are we going to how are we going to work together? What is the agreement going to be like? How are things going to work? Um, and uh, I I remember that we went out for a brunch and uh, we 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 raised a toast and I was like, that's it, we get started. There's nothing else to do. And she was shocked. And she was like, what, what, what do you mean? Where is, where is the things that need to be figured out? There are like a million things. And I was like, hmm, I have no idea, but uh, we will, but let's do this. Um, and, and I think, mm, I, I, I think we've, I think we've been extremely lucky uh, from, from that day of starting off, which was like, you know, before Hasura, the consulting firm that we started, right. To, to where we are today. Um is we've had a very we've had an amazing set of we've had a very very nice set of people who worked with us uh right right from the founding team uh to to the early folks who joined the team right um uh, and uh and i i remember one of the first our, our first person who joined us in the consulting firm when we were like in a i don't know 300 square foot like my living room flat right who came from delhi to join us in chennai uh, and this is before we moved to Bangalore, before we moved to SF. He, he still works with us today, right? Um, and and what has helped is that we've, we've had like this, we've had no idea what the division of responsibility should be, right? We're doing this for the first time. Um, and we're learning things, right? So so the two things that help are one, that the kind of understanding that we've had amongst the early team where uh, we've we've just relied a lot on each other. We've been extremely empathetic, supportive, uh, and we've we've taken on work from each other, right? We've kind of gravitated towards things that we're good at, um, but then we've also actively kind of taken off work from each other and had conversations about how to repartition uh, where that work goes, and and then we've been ruthlessly honest and brutal with ourselves, right? We've never let uh, we've never let ourselves kind of, you know, of course, we're taking calculated risk. We're like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to try doing this. But if it doesn't work out, this is how we're going to figure it out, right? So we try to do something. We don't have a functional skill for it. We'll figure it out. We'll get somebody else for it, right? We'll uh, we'll recruit somebody else for it. And and that's kind of allowed us to move extremely rapidly uh, uh, while, while still having kind of a stable and coherent operations, right? Uh, as much as you can. That's so. So that's kind of that. That's kind of been, uh, and and the work division etc has been repartitioned over time several times, right? Uh, and that's been totally fine. We've been able to move through that very easily. Um, so so I think that's you know that, that's the way it's worked. Um, and again, it's kind of going back to you know it's the it's this clarity of the north star that we want to move towards. It's the um, it's the niceness of the people that we've that we were just very lucky to have found each other so uh you know the, the that founding team the four people and then the early folks who joined us the five the first five uh, uh the first five ten people but that really sets the tone for the kind of people who come on to the team next right so so when when that early team that was created was uh, uh was 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 so kind of empathetic uh and yet like had massive energy that allowed us to scale that out and build a distributor team Right, and to say that you know we're going to have people all over the world, right? Today we span we span five continents. We're fifty people. We're we're uh, uh, we're in the US. We're in Europe. We're in India. We're in Vietnam. We're in Nigeria. We're in Australia. Um, and uh, and and that has scaled because we've kind of people attract people is what I always say, right? A certain kind of people attract a certain kind of people, 
And and so our kind of ethic values and the way that we do things attracts a certain kind of people who we work really well with. And that's really helped kind of uh, scale the uh, move our way through the chaos of building an organization, right? So um, no no silver bullet, no answer for me here, but uh, just, just kind of sharing like how, how, how it kind of worked out for us. There was... I, I guess what I want to reiterate is no, there wasn't any pre-planning, but yes, there was a lot of like continuous planning, right? That is the only thing that has helped so far, right? Just continuously planning and being brutally honest with, uh, you know, what's happening, where we are, what's sucking, what's great, right? So, so that's it. Final question, Tanmay. Uh, so, how how do you uh, resolve conflicts or how do you address? disagreements and this is not just a co-founder question but also i mean you're still early team in that sense i mean uh, you're not even a decade old as a company right but what is how how do you manage conflicts and how do you address disagreements well it depends on the nature of the disagreement um but i would say broadly it's something something that we're in the process of doing which i call codifying our principles right um but we have a set of principles in our in our minds, right? Whether it's kind of user obsession, customer obsession, the way that we do things, like an operational ethic, uh, right? Uh, we 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 never uh, we, for example, don't disparage people, or we don't disparage uh, products or things that are happening in the industry, right? We never take a negative stance towards anything, even if it's competitive to us or goes against kind of the way that we're thinking and things like that. So there's an operational ethic. There's certain product principles, um, uh, there's certain company values, right? Which we're in the process of codifying, but uh, but they exist kind of in our heads and in in conversations uh, and in some documents here and there, right? So we use that to kind of help guide our way through uh, through through conflicts and disagreements, right? Of how how can we how do we make a decision here, right? Like what is important, right? So. Uh, you know, what, what do we, what does the company need to do? What is important to our users, right? Uh, and there's obviously like the, the the most, the kind of largest number of where these agreements, disagreements come up today is, is for product stuff. Product engineering is where a massive, massive amount of conflict always arises and how we should do something. So these kind of principles and values really help us kind of uh, move through that chaos a little bit, right? Of saying that, okay, cool. Like this is, I'm saying A, you're saying B, but this is what's right. And and so let's do a little bit of A or a little bit of B or only A or only B, depending on what's right, according to, you know, what we want to do, where we want to be, who our users are and how we actually operationally do things. Right. Uh, so 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 that's that's really helped. Right. And that's that's the way that it kind of broadly works without without, you know, getting into specifics of what or what nature of disagreements or conflicts you're talking about. But at a, at a, at a 30,000 feet kind of point of view, that really helps. Uh, OK, so final, final question. Uh, if there if there was one thing that you would change if you were to start today, you know, or tomorrow, what would that be and why? I would say that we would have we've we've made a few critical hires maybe a quarter late or maybe two quarters late than when we should have. So I would have fast tracked that. That I think is is probably the biggest change that that we would have done. Getting into the org building mindset and company building mindset, right from a early stage product mindset and engineering mindset, getting into like the company building mindset. There's a little bit of a phase shift that's required there. Uh, the only way to go through that phase shift is to do it. So doing that sooner than later is always helpful. So, you know, uh, we would have tried to maybe accelerate that a little bit. I think that that would have, 
that would have uh, that that would have really helped. Yeah, no, that's very, yeah, no, that's very well said, and uh, I'm wow, it's the four. <laughs> so thanks for your time, Tanmay. I really enjoyed this conversation, and uh, Godspeed, your building. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much, Mother.